On today's Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, we are recapping UFC 277. A lot to go over there from Dallas, Texas. Also, Yair Rodriguez says no other fight will be next for him except for the featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky. Is he crazy? Is he sane? We'll find out all this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome everyone to episode 226 of the show. We're here to recap once again, this time for UFC 277, our second pay-per-view of July. Dom. Yeah. The man to my right, the the co-host of the show, mm-hmm. the man that's got an ass that don't quit and a mouth even more so. <laughs> that I'm ready to go now. <laughs> Second pay-per-view of July. Are you getting a little burned out, or could you do this every weekend? Oh, every damn weekend, Noah. Every <laughs> weekend. And, you know, it was uh, five events in the month of July just for the UFC. Obviously, we had a couple little bell tour. We had some PFL at the beginning, uh, two UFC pay-per-views. It was a good month. For, uh, we had International Fight Week and whatnot. We end with two title fights and a relatively good card that we get to discuss today. It was a good month, man. Heading into the kind of the heat of the summer, quite literally into August now. We've got a good card with the tough coming up this weekend. PFL is also back this coming weekend. It's going to be a good transition from July to August. I'm excited. What do you think? I know that you're not burnt out. Come on now. Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. I could do this all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the words of Captain America, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those Avengers movies. Um, glad to be here once again to recap with you. Um, but I guess with that being said, the dog days of summer are hitting Dom here in August. I'm just curious how many fights, how many fighters are going to show that they have that dog in them. That's what I want to see. Oh, it's going to have a lot. There's going to be, there's a few people on this card that we got to, we can't skip over and say, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that meme going around, you know, the x-ray with the dog in the heart. Yeah. That, that was going, that, that was prevalent on this card and. You guys will see here shortly. But before we get right into it, I want to remind everyone where they can follow us on social media. Uh-huh. You can follow the show on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. You can follow Dominic on Twitter and Instagram, at Deasley14. You can follow myself on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. Also, Dominic, some exciting news here. Yeah, a little bit, huh? PointsBet Sportsbook is now the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. And not only do we have a new partnership in place, but also we have a new exclusive offer for anybody listening to this episode, any listeners of the show. If you you have friends that are into sports betting, you can share this with them. It doesn't have to be MMA fans. It can be anybody who enjoys betting on sports. Uh, Points Bet Sportsbook is going to match up to one hundred, up to two thousand dollars, one hundred percent of your initial deposit. All you have to do 
is either download the points bet sportsbook app use code mma joes that's right mma joes at sign up or there is a link in the description of this episode i believe that's the same on spotify too right you can yes. do a link yes. there uh, there's a link that'll take you right to the sign up page and it'll already have the code in there again with that you get on your initial deposit a hundred percent match up to two thousand dollars uh, so thank you to points bet for uh indulging in this partnership with us and giving an opportunity for listeners of the show to already double their money right off the bat i mean you can't say no to that right what a deal come on now yeah so happy betting but uh with that dom let's move into the main event of ufc 277 the rematch highly anticipated the season of tough to sort of set up the rematch juliana pena this time was our champion looking to make the first defense of her women's bantamweight title against the goat against the person who she took the belt from amanda nunez back in december of last year and we got a very interesting fight here yeah uh this fight was this fight was uh it, it was very similar gave me similar shades of volkanovsky ortega um mm. This fight was an ass whooping. Let's be clear. Yeah. Amanda Nunez is back. Uh, yeah. She is back for sure. Uh, she came in here and she pretty much pummeled Juliana Pena for five rounds. Uh, she just looked as good as ever here. Uh, but a lot of respect needs to be shown to the now former champion, Juliana Pena, for her durability, for showing some a lot of heart. Having that dog in her, even at times going for some Hail Marys didn't quite work out. Uh, What were your thoughts on this fight, Dominic? Because it it felt like by the end, like it was, it seemed like by round four, you almost sort of were like, okay, the result's sort of inevitable at this point. But then that was kind of the round where Pena started to have those like flashes of getting a couple arm bars and stuff real close. So. Uh, your thoughts on the fight and how both women kind of looked here. Yeah, it was one-way traffic with like a pothole or two sprinkled in as you go down the road, kind of, is what it was for Amanda Nunes. Yeah. She looked so good, um, really, in every aspect of her game. Her striking, on point, powerful, man. And round two had three knockdowns of Juliana Pena, yeah. which is just crazy. Uh, looked good wrestling-wise with her top control. Nasty elbows from ground and pound was able to fight out of submissions this time no issues with the gas tank with all five rounds with striking and with grappling withstood those kind of onslaughts from juliana that in the first fight extremely affected her this fight not so much outside of a bit of swelling underneath of her right eye so what a good bounce back what a great bounce back performance from amanda nunes here to get her belt back to become the champ champ again she looked like the goat last night you know what i mean like that was really what it said to me and again just the dog in juliana Pena to keep pressing forward when everything is against you anyone else more than likely wilts and loses that fight at some point Mm -hmm. but she just kept coming and kept trying and i can't fault anyone for that but nunez is back on top right the lioness so it was crazy yeah i mean uh this is no disrespect to juliana Pena when i say this but i'm sort of happy to see amanda look like this again just because with any fighter that's at the top, 
I never enjoy watching the the downfall. The, the downfall. So a lot of people were looking into that first Pena fight and thinking this might have been the, the start of a turn in yeah. Nunez's career. I'm glad that she has sort of answered those questions and came back looking as good as ever. There's still some pause here because Pena did have a lot of – she had moments, and Nunez, as, as dominant as she looked, there were parts of me that went like, if she was going up against a more technical striker here, like a Valentina, how would this have gone? You know, this yeah. Like she still like Dana said it afterwards. She still looked somewhat gun shy a little bit. A little. Yeah. Like and I think in the later rounds that showed, like maybe she was so the the idea of the gas tank you know, going to E was so prevalent in her mind that she just started wrestling. Which yeah. I know is very tiring, but you know, you kind of She's using it to try to save her some energy. Yeah. Uh, in respect to Pena, she didn't really let Amanda rest in her guard. You know, she she was constantly going for stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, admittedly, most of those submission attempts came because she was illegally grabbing the gloves. But I mean, we won't we won't we won't focus on that. I guess since it never really turned into anything. But um, respect to both, it was a fantastic fight. As good yeah. of a fight as you can get when it's as one-sided as it was. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite fight of last year was Volkanovski-Ortega. This isn't quite fight of the year material. Like, I think that fight was still better. But, again, when when you're talking about a one-sided, a 50-43 on the cards, I mean, this is very compared to, like, Max Cater in terms of, like, fight quality. You know, you're watching. This one, more for the heart on display and the grind that you saw both women go through and the blood, the sweat, the mm-hmm. tears that were being shed in there. Max and Kate are more for the one-sided performance of the fight. So um, with that being said, Dominic, you know, probably not too much more to talk about with the fight itself, but I think there is a lot to dive into in terms of the aftermath. What's next yeah. for these two? Cause I'm seeing a lot of differing opinions online. Yeah. Yeah. First, and I, I, I want you to simply tell me your thoughts on this fight as being next. I don't want you to compare it to other potential fights because I'll have a follow-up question okay. in that, uh, later. Do they run a trilogy? In your mind, is a trilogy at all... Um, is it at all appealing to you, an idea of Pena Nunes 3 being run... Um, I'm not opposed because at least it is a one-to-one series, you know, rather than like a 2-0 or something. But just the fashion of which both fights ended are so extremely different. And I'm not even saying that Pena's first win was a fluke by any means, by the way. But like when she goes in there, she gets out Amanda in round two. But in the second fight, Amanda really has her way for 25 straight minutes. It's two just polar opposite spectrums but i'm by no means opposed to seeing a trilogy fight especially at 135 in a division that just really is not proposing any legitimate number one contenders behind juliana now so yeah i I wouldn't be opposed to it at all i would be opposed to it happening right away fair i don't think you can do it right away i mean it was a 50 43 It, it it's it's like I get it. It was a fun fight, 
Pena does have a win, but I think it's pretty clear now how this fight goes. Like the better fighter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if Pena were to get another win and Nunes is still there, like maybe I think then you could do it a third time. I just don't want to see it like next. Like let Pena go fight someone else and try to improve, evolve, get a different test in there. Like, don't throw her back in there where she might get absolutely battered again. Um, at least not right away. So, but that does raise another question because if you go, well, if not that fight, then what is the fight, right? Yeah, because that's the question. There's there, there's not a ton of options. But I'm going to basically ask you it like this: Would you rather see Nunez and Pena fight a third time, or would you rather see Nunez and Valentina fight a third time? I'd rather see Pena and Nunez. I really have no interest really? in Really? Really? Yeah. You'd rather see yeah. Pena? You know, I, I, me and you were on the same page as far as we don't love the yeah. Nunez-Valentina trilogy fight. But, I mean, I don't need to see Nunez and Pena fight again. Like, what is their show? I mean, that, that was the fight right there. Like, that's... Yeah. I mean, the first fight, again, I'm not calling it a fluke. But I'm also going into this kind of believing a lot of the health factors and right. the sort of career moves that Nunez were mm-hmm. making probably played a big effect in how she performed. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. calling it a fluke, but I guess I'm not saying I'm saying most times out of 10 Nunez dominates this fight and that's yeah. here. Yeah. Her Valentina, I think is look, it's not the fight. It's not a fight that, I think is as big as it is to a lot of people. Like to me personally, it doesn't quite, it doesn't have that um, levity behind it of like answering who's to go and all this. Like to me, that's not really what's at stake, but it's to me just, yeah, it, there's more reason to make that fight than Nunez fight. Like that just, to me, that's doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I respect anyone that has that opinion. I saw a lot of people saying it is time or that like they they need to see Shevchenko uh versus Val or I'm sorry versus Nunes 3. But let us not forget guys that Valentina arguably just lost her last fight at flyweight to Taylor Santos. She in my opinion has a lot of unfinished business not only with Taylor Santos but just in her division right now with constantly mm-hmm. people coming in and emerging. Um so I just feel like she has a throne to defend at 125, it is clear that that is her legit weight class. When she is in there against Amanda Nunes, the size discrepancy and where they should be is just not even really comparable, regardless of how you scored that second fight, because I'm in the boat to where I probably scored the fight for Valentina, but Amanda is 2-0 uh, in the rivalry, regardless of what anybody else scored the fight. So I just think... I'd rather see Valentina stay where she belongs at 125, continue her reign of dominance, see if Amanda can put together another reign of dominance, and just kind of let them be on their own separate paths. If it happens, it happens. Obviously, I'm going to be intrigued by the fight, but I've seen it twice already, and I just think there's a lot more for Valentina at 125 right now. I will say Amanda Nunez is probably going to be out for a while. Yeah. That's what she said. She said she wants a you know, a little bit of a break here. So obviously us talking about this now, a lot can change. And I, I hope 
I hope I end up being on your side here. Not that I want Nunez Pena three more. I think I'm pretty sad that that fight just doesn't really need to happen a third time. Like Nunez Valentina three. At least it's in the, a question of who's going to win that. I mean, to me, yeah, it's like it's very much in the air. Like it feels like a more competitive fight. Let's put it that way. Um, what I'm hoping happens over the rest of this year and however much longer into 2023 that Nunez would be out, I'm hoping someone does step up. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's really what I'm banking on here because right. I don't want either of those two fights to be the next fight. <laughs> exactly, dude. Yeah. Because you're right. Valentina at women's flyweight, she's got three interesting potential matchups right now on the horizon. Taylor Santos again. That mm-hmm. that's. I still think you could run that fight right back just because of the headbutt that caused the swelling. Right. I think that really changed the fight. Uh, there's the Alexa Grasso Vivian Arreuzo fight that's happening in like two weeks or something. Yeah, like that. relatively so, soon. Yeah. Um, I think that's up there. Still, mm-hmm. maybe does that's a fight that determines someone needs one more. But I I think. Alexa Grasso with the win there is definitely yeah, a appealing person to put in a title fight. And if Manon Fior gets past yep. Caitlin Chukagian, which is a big if, I mean, Chukagian is not yeah. giving up that number one spot easy. Um, I think Manon is like the clear front runner, but yeah. it all kind of depends on how they look in those fights too. Like if nobody shines, I mean, you got to try you're really you're really trying to earn like a title fight here like it's not just winning that's going to get you there in this division like you really got to like kind of earn it like with the performance yeah. and put your name out there a little bit cuz right now it's just a lot of these you know contenders at the top yeah they're kind of you know they're under the radar for sure now at bantamweight this is kind of the lay of the land right now Nunez obviously your new champion you do have Juliana Pena right there. Uh, Ketlin Vieira <laughs> is uh, number two in the division. Yeah, She is on a two-fight win streak, I believe. Um, two wins that, in my opinion, were not very impressive, even though the opponents are impressive, like Misha Tate, Holly Holm, two former champions, two legends of women's MMA. But when you look at the – oof, I mean – I thought she won the Misha fight, even though I just didn't think it was a very good fight. Holly Holm fight also stunk, but also I didn't think she won that fight. So <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It, to me, it's like, okay, Kellen Vieira at least needs one more. Right? Yeah, it really and, does. But that would be an inter- it would be an interesting style matchup, I think. Ketlin's big for women's yeah. bantamweight. Yeah. And uh, Irene Aldana has actually got a fight coming up with Macy Chason. Okay. Yeah. Um, Aldana number four. That's really not the kind of fighter you take on to earn a title fight, but she's there. And then I think I'll also mention Raquel Pennington on a four fight win streak. She's right there at number five, even though she already has a loss to yeah. uh, Amanda Nunes. So there's not a perfect answer right now. Yeah. But to me, I'm hoping and praying if you're if you and i hope you guys do the same if you're the praying type <laughs> yeah that someone in this group at bantamweight 
makes a statement. And it Reach might even, and I mean, Amanda said she kind of, she, Amanda kind of said she wants to go to Featherweight next, which. Yeah. Who? I mean, Who? If that, if that, you know, it'd be, it's going to be Norma. Norma Dumont. Yeah. But she's coming off of a loss at Bantamweight. Ay, ay, ay. I don't know, man. Oh, she is. Know. Oh, my gosh. She has a fight lined up with, um. Oh, Danielle Wolf. The other. Yes, Danielle Wolf. But, uh, I think that's 279 that fight's taking place. So. I don't know, guys. What I'm trying to say is there's not a perfect option here. Maybe ideally. I mean, I saw some people throwing around Kayla Harrison. Guys, Kayla Harrison's back under contract with the PFL. Like, I, yeah. I don't see her coming over here anytime soon. So, um, yeah. Basically, we're kind of <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're in a bit of a middling spot with this division. There's just not a perfect answer to do for who's next right now. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. That's safe to say. Yeah. Let's talk about the co-main event. Well, we do have a clear direction, Dom. True. Well, let's talk about first. Brandon Moreno earns that interim gold with the third round TKO over Kai Car France. Four minutes, 34 seconds in. He did it with the liver kick. Just shut off KKF's entire system. Uh, this fight was awesome. It earned fight of the night. Good. I think there's a, I think there's a debate that you get to the main event. Truthfully, like if you're going off of what was the most fight to watch, I think these are, I, well, you said good. So I'm assuming you think this was the fight of the night. I think you could give the main event the fight of the night, but I'm glad that, you know, these guys probably made a little less than Peña and Nunez did. So I'm glad that they're getting the, mm-hmm. the bonus. Um, Dominic, your thoughts on the fight? I feel like there was a lot of momentum swings in this three rounds from what we saw. Yeah, momentum swings is the perfect way to put it because did you see the official judges' scorecards for the oh first few gosh. rounds? I mean, so, let, let's I mean, just talk. The judging on this night was all over the place. I mean, Texas and their judging is yeah. just uh, yeah, it's still exactly. a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, there was one judge that had it 1-1. to There was one judge that had it 2-0 for Brandon Moreno. And the other judge had it 2-0 for Kai Car France. So this fight, well, the scorecards were all over the place, but the fight really was high level, really good mixed martial arts between these two guys. And it really kind of played out the way you would probably expect a fight to go between these two guys, guys that have had a three-round battle before in 2019, get back in there again as two completely different fighters, in my opinion, from what they were then, at least in terms of their evolved skill sets. And they put on another great fight. Brandon Moreno, you know, kind of with his unorthodox movement and very quick in and outs, and then he lands that body kick. And again, it just shuts down the body. Two body shot KOTKOs last night. That was one of them. Uh, but Kai looked good. He was defending takedowns when needed. He was landing the more impactful shots, I felt like, which again, with his power advantage, we felt would be the case. Uh, but Moreno, with his toughness, man, just rides out any potential dangers. But it was big, I, in my opinion for him to get a finish that way. We've seen him be in a lot of kind of dog wars, you know, two fights go the distance with Figgy. He did get the submission in the middle fight, but just a guy that isn't necessarily known for all that many finishes inside the UFC does it here to get that interim strap. It was just a a really good fight, a really good performance from both guys, but Moreno gets gold around his waist again. Yeah. I thought both guys had their moments here for sure. I had it to Moreno going into the third. Um, 
as much as I wanted KKF to win for my betting purposes, I think giving KKF the first two rounds is, let's call it generous. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I Did you have it? You, I'm assuming you were scoring I'm looking this. right did now. You? I think I had it one-to-one. See that, and I thought round two you could have made an argument for Kai Car France. I thought the first round was pretty. I could be misremembering, but I thought the first round was pretty clearly Moreno's round. Yeah, um, yeah. But let's, I mean, even, let's say it was one to one going into that third. Third round was Kai Car France's best round. Yeah, which is what's yeah. so crazy about the momentum swings. If it started, this fight started. With Moreno really picking his shots well. He was sticking the jab well. His movement was on point. Kai seemed a bit frustrated, almost like he couldn't figure out the timing. Um, he started to get her at it in the later half of round two. And then in round three, he looked phenomenal. I mean, just yeah. the takedown defense was on point again in this fight. And he was landing some beautiful shots that were really putting an effect on Moreno. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, he started bleeding a little bit, and yeah, honestly, like I was very curious. I'm very curious how this fight would have gone if that liver shot doesn't land, because mm. that was a beautiful kick. Don't get me wrong, and it's I mean that's an earned finish right there. But I'm just curious how that fight would have went had it kept going, because I feel like the the momentum was really in Kai's favor. Not only because I had it 2-0, I was like, okay, this is Kai Carpenter's fight now. But one of the judges had it for Kai. I think this would have been one of those split decisions that people would have been looking at scorecards like, huh? What's going on here? But that could have been a split decision that blew up in Moreno's face if he had, um, you know, not gotten that finish right there. And so shout out to him. I mean, it was a Hail Mary shot, basically, and it landed flush right on the liver. I say Hail Mary. I mean, that's a very talented, like, he had been working on his kicks, he said, through camp. I mean, to land it right there, flush like that, and to shut the lights out, I mean, it was a phenomenal uh, knockout, TKO, whatever you want to call it. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And, and now, and he did it in Texas, very close again to Mexico, where he, he felt like the biggest star of the night, uh, mm-hmm. well, besides Derek Lewis, maybe, but... Um, that's just been Moreno's MO for ever since he took that first fight with Davison. It seems like every time he comes out, this dude looks like a huge star. Like the fans yep. just love the assassin baby. Yes. And I can't blame them. How do you, how can you dislike the guy? Right. I mean, the guy, exactly. is, he, he is, he is the perfect face in this rivalry, which I'm going to transition with Davison Figueredo, who, Plays up being the bad guy so it's so he does it so well when he's not talking, you know. Yeah, he doesn't speak yeah. English, so like when it comes to you know trash talking, it just it doesn't really work all the time. But when they flash to him in the crowd on the screen, and he had the real belt on him, and he's decked out in the nice outfit, and the booze just start raining yeah. down. I, yeah. It got me excited. I was just like, yes. I'm like, Davison, man. Like, I just fucking love the God of War. He is so yeah. entertaining to watch fight. And I love the way he just carries himself. He just gets it, you know? He kind of yes. gets... I get a lot of MMA fans hate. They hate when any sort of pro wrestling is mentioned or talked about in their sport. But guys, I mean, get over yourself a little bit. 
the roots of MMA are tied to pro wrestling. Like, right. So when it comes to this fight promotion, I mean, this was pro wrestling kind of 101 here. And then Dominic, to, to, to tie it all together, they bring Davison into the cage. Yes. And there's been a lot discussed about this. So I've seen a lot of people say that this was terrible, a complete wasted opportunity. And I've also seen people say how much they love the sportsmanship shown and um, what a moment uh, to kind of say screw to beef, fourth fight, respect is already earned. This one's just for the gold. Yeah. Which side are you kind of on? Did you feel like, you know, you're a pro wrestling fan, Dom. Like you, mm-hmm. you are like me and you, we, our roots are in that. Yeah. Was there a part of you that was like, oh, I kind of wanted to see the you know, like a shove or something or like a little bit of a face-off, more of a heated face-off, or did the sportsmanship really warm your heart? I actually really liked it last night because, no, and I actually posed this question, and you may even know, was this the first time we've had two fighters face off in the cage since Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, none I'm others are sure coming to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that one was the cringiest shit I've ever seen in my life. Granted, I got <laughs> excited but it was pretty cringe at the end of the day, and the fight didn't we, Wait, okay. I'm actually going to say something to your benefit here, because you're like, oh, I got excited. Me and you weren't excited about anything when that happened. This was when Stipe got knocked out by DC. Oh, yeah, it was we a bad We were not excited. Us. We were very upset. Like, we were like, wow. Bobbing. They yeah. literally, Stipe's limp body hasn't even yeah. been carried out of the cage yet, and they got Brock coming in here yeah. to sell the next fight. We hated it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I liked it last night. Um, It really did kind of bring me some nostalgic feel because they used to do that all the time. I felt like champions would come into the cage with the number one contender. They'd have their little face-off, say whatever, like a Matt Hughes GSP or whatever the case. Um, But I liked this. Um, I did. Brandon really took the high road because I feel like had Brandon not done that, Figgy would have maybe played the villain a little bit more on the mic. But Brandon's approach was really interesting, kind of saying how he wanted to be a good example for people, for his kids, his wife and family is in the crowd there, wanted to just kind of spread positivity and respect. Figgy with the sunglasses on and the shades, nobody pulls it off better. Maybe Tony Ferguson and him, two best sunglasses inside (laughs) fighters, kind of pays that respect back, saying it was Moreno's night, yada, yada, yada. But I'm, I'm super, I was already set for the saga, the fourth fight, you know, back in January after that amazing fight. And now I'm even more excited because Moreno got a huge win. Figgy, I just hope that he gets healthy and that we really do see the best of both guys when it happens. But yeah, it was just, if they didn't go in the cage, I'm still excited because he was looking from on the outside, looking in through the fence and whatnot. If anything, they should have kept it that way. would have been more intense. But I liked everything about it, and I'm super stoked to see him fight again. I love that they brought him in. I mean, I, I I wish the UFC did more of that. I think they've made a conscious effort to not do that, which, yeah, yeah when it's Brock and DC, I'm kind of like, okay, what what are we doing here? Why is yeah. every, like, why people, like, he shoves DC and all these people are just, like, smiling around him, like, oh, yeah. this is so much fun. It's like, oh, wow, you guys are really selling that this is a blood a blood feud right here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Luke Rock holds Zach there in his white, tight white pants, just like fucking crossed. Yeah. Um, before that, I remember they had Michael Bisping come in when Whitaker won the interim title against Romero. Yeah. 
yep. And then that fight never happened because obviously GSP came back and fought Bisping instead. Um, those are the two times that I can remember since I've been watching like live. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, UFC 199, of course, the first card I watched. So those are the only two times I can think of. There has been a lot of like the fighters in the flow. Mm-hmm. And they call him out. DC calling out John Jones. I don't know if John yeah. Jones was there when that happened, but he called out John Jones. Um, I remember, I think Kamaru might have called out Colby at one point. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, you see that kind of stuff a lot. Um, I personally, like, again, I grew up a pro wrestling fan, but I enjoyed the authenticity of the moment. I mean, yeah, let's be clear. <laughs> let me, let me spin this though for you guys like it does crack me up though that people think that davison's like you know he listened to moreno's speech and he, he was like what this is a bigger moment than our rivalry right is that what you were thinking dom like davison just was like you know wow like let's let's cut the shit and just you know have respect you know yeah i feel like if moreno acted differently Figgy would have responded differently. Yeah. yeah. Here's my thing about that is that Davison probably didn't understand one word that Moreno said. <laughs> so um, it just kind of, I'm just imagining Davison in that moment. Like he comes in, he's trying to look, you know, menacing. He's kind of got the face off going on. And then he doesn't understand, he doesn't speak English. So he doesn't understand what Moreno's saying. And then Moreno just sticks out his hand. He's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes he, it. He must have said something um, nice. Yeah. So when people are trying to tell me that uh, Moreno's speech about his daughter being a role model must have touched uh, Figgy, um, I would say uh, you guys realize he doesn't speak English, right? So very funny when you look at it from that perspective. Figgy's probably like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but <laughs> all right, I'll take your hand. Yeah. And uh, of course, that, but I liked it. I thought it was nice. It was an authentic moment. Yeah, um, we it felt like more of just a celebration that we're gonna get this fight a fourth time like this. Yeah, there's very rare. It's really the first time ever in this sport that a fourth fight has felt earned. Yes, and, and like a necessity. Yeah, you hardly ever see fourth fights. I mean, well, hardly never. ever. <laughs> well, in, in terms of all being under the UFC, yeah, I mean, in the UFC. Had, We've had like Arlovsky and Sylvia fought a fourth time and won that one, and that ended in a DQ. So I mean, like you know, it's a, you've had them, but they're never pretty. I guess is, is yeah. what I'm saying. But this felt it just feels very earned, and it's the right two guys, the right moment. I'm sure once the fight really gets made, come what December, I'm sure Davison will will crank it back up a bit. But yeah. For this night, I enjoyed what I got. Like, I didn't need some... I thought it was cool enough they brought him in and they kind of had the face, even though Moreno kind of no-sold it and still just talked. Um, that was enough for me. And you're right. Like, if, if they didn't do it, it wouldn't have changed anything. But I'm glad they brought him in, even yeah. though, you know, a lot of people were kind of shitting on what we... <laughs> that he didn't get the heel out. You know, Chael Sonnen said it was a travesty. It's, it's just... <laughs> I, I just think it's a bit dramatic, guys. Yeah, yeah. Let's chill out. Yeah. Let's move on to some tidbits. More on this card to come. 
Uh, Yair Rodriguez, I believe, was in attendance at UFC 277, and he talked yep. to the media. He said that he will not fight Josh Emmett, and that the only person he will fight next is Alexander Volkanovsky, even saying he will wait for uh-huh. Volkanovsky if he shall go fight for the lightweight title. I'm curious your thoughts on this one, Dom. Well, Dana White doesn't like when fighters say they want to wait. As a matter of fact, in an crazy. interview, yeah, in an interview with Robbie Fox last week, he said that is his least favorite thing that he wants to hear from fighters is that they are going to wait for a fight to happen. So, probably not the best sound bit to come out of the weekend if you're Yair Rodriguez in his camp. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's not up to him all that much. Mm-hmm. Volkanovski is the champion. Obviously, we know he's out for about 12 weeks. <clears throat> Likely, we probably just won't see him again uh, the rest of the year because I know he's expressed interest in fighting first quarter of 2023 when the UFC goes back to Australia, New Zealand, whichever the two they choose to do. Um, but Volkanovski wants his next fight to be for the 155-pound title against the winner of Makachev and Oliveira. So at the end of the day... Yair, I, I have to imagine that if the, he if he were offered an interim title fight with Josh Emmett with gold on the line, I would imagine he takes that fight. I really do. Um, if he, he was were, asked he was asked about that by the schmo. Like mm-hmm. he's, cause the schmo was like, if the UFC put an interim title in place and Josh Emmett was the other guy, would you take it? And he like wouldn't answer the question. Like he kind of was like, well, who's bringing an interim title into place? He's like, I haven't heard that. Right, and the schmo's like, no, I'm just saying. Right. if yeah. they did, yeah, and he goes, well, I want to know who would be bringing an interim title into place and why. So it seems like yeah, you really just did. I I think he was trying to stop himself from saying, yeah, like I think he hates the idea of that, but right. Right. probably recognizes it's a possibility. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I would imagine that him fighting Josh Emmett is very much so in the cards for an interim belt but we'll just see right we will see what happens with volkanovsky does he want to you know being that that fight with islam and Oliveira is in october would volk maybe want to fight again in like november december and then depending on when they fight in australia maybe they do it in like april instead of february then he has a little bit more time i don't really know so i think there's a lot that has to play out Mm. on the back end of things to really determine it but yeah you're probably just shouldn't say the word wait that's all i took away there i mean i don't really buy that he's going to be able to like i don't think this plan's going to work out too well if he really sticks with it no i mean if he wait if he decides he's waiting for volkanovsky then he's probably never gonna (laughs) right emmett will get a title fight before him yeah i want to believe that but i also don't necessarily believe that i just don't think that the cards are i believe emmett would be ready to take another fight to like, fight someone else other than... Well, I'm saying if, if Yair's adamant about waiting, the UFC will be like, okay, well, Josh Emmett, Arnold Allen, now you're fighting for a number one contender fight. You know, yeah, or, yeah, Emmett, yeah, yeah. Or an interim title or whatever. Right. Like, Yair's just going to get passed over. Like, I get it. People are hitting hard about Yair being this star in the making and the market he comes from in Mexico being a very valuable one for the UFC, so... He could be a guy that gets the next title fight. But I just don't think that the... I think the difference... Like, people really act like Yair's, like, so much more of a better option in terms of selling and and market than Josh Emmett. 
And I don't think it's as big of a difference as people are making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the UFC would be that bummed out if Yair was like, I'm not taking a fight unless it's against Volkanovski. And they're like, well, fine. Josh Emmett and Right. Arnold They'd be like, it's your loss. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I don't think it's necessarily something that they're like craving a Yair Rodriguez title fight. I think they want that. I think I would argue if if, if Volkanovski was adamant about taking another fight before the end of the year, Yair probably gets it over Emmett, even though I disagree with it. Right. But I don't think Dana's going to love hearing the... Uh, no. No, no, uh, no. I'm gonna wait after he. Yeah, you're right. He's literally just said yeah. how much he hates that. So um, I think Yair, but I don't really blame Yair for saying it. Like I, he shouldn't have said it in those terms. But what do you? I mean, I'm sure he does want a title fight next. Like, duh. I mean, of course. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to take an interim title fight to then earn, which is essentially a number one contender yeah. fight to then earn the right to fight Volkanovski. He wants to try to sell that he's already earned it. So right. I, I can't blame him for that, but I'm not going to reward him for it either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last tidbit, Dom. This one should excite you. You're a Marvel fan. So Kamaru Usman is set to make a cameo appearance in Black Panther 2. What do you think about that? This is awesome news. Anytime that fighters can be brought over as mainstream as possible, especially into the Marvel universe that's big time right this is a champion that has really fight by fight grown a ton and to the again he's not like some conor mcgregor where every casual fan knows about him but he really has built up his name value over the past few years so this is a good opportunity for him um and again representing that heritage as well that he wears so proudly on his back i think it's an awesome um chance for him to just get his name out there again so it's good how can you not want to see this happen for any of you know the MMA fighters, champions, etc. down the line. So it's great. Hopefully, it leads to more. I agree. Let's pump the brakes though. It is a cameo. I mean, he's he's going to be on screen for like one second. Yeah. Probably won't even have a, a line. But I wish they like. I've got to like. If you're going to put him in there, like, come on, just give him like, give him a couple lines or something. Like, just make, you know, just let Kamaru be Kamaru for like a couple, like a minute or something. Right. But it sounds like he's just going to be in the background somewhere which i don't know it's like i guess i'm I'm happy for him though that he gets to be in a big movie like that i just hope i I wish as a a, a being um selfish you know i'm a big movie fan but i'm also a very big mma fan i wish that he could get more of a speaking part you know something that actually has an impact on the movie i guess so yeah yeah Let's move on to a fight announcement. Uh, just one for for this episode. Edson Barboza has fallen down to number thirteen in the featherweight rankings. That one kind of surprised me. I didn't really <laughs> see that coming. Yeah. He's taken on the man at the very back of the line of top fifteen, but someone who is pushing forward full steam ahead. Ilya Tuporia, yeah, coming off of his knockout of Jai Herber at the UFC London card back in March. He's number 15 at featherweight. These two are being matched up for October 29th. Uh, Do you like this matchup? This is stylistically pretty sick fight. I mean, this has banger written all over it. Two very high-level strikers, but in relatively opposite ways. So I think it is a very good fight. Edson Barboza does not give a shit who he fights. He will literally fight anyone. Ilya Toporia getting a chance to really kind of 
edge his name in this top 15, get closer to that top 10. I'll say lately on Twitter, I've noticed he's kind of really playing a heel. He will really call out anybody and talk shit about them. So I like the guy in the octagon, but man, he's kind of a savage these days on Twitter ever since his fight with Jai Herbert, kind of when the rivalry started oh, with Patty. Yeah, he's coming for everybody. The hand sanitizer boy, you know? He, yeah. He got... So uh, Ilya's a bit of a savage these days, but that fight is uh, very sick, and he's going to have to be a savage to go in there and beat Edson Barboza. Yeah, we did see in Tuporia's fight with Herbert. He struggled a little bit in the, in the early, well, the first round, and then, I mean, he got the knockout in round two, and it was an awesome knockout. But he seemed to struggle a little bit in round one with closing that distance. You know, Herbert was a pretty long guy. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, well, Herbert's also, uh, is Herbert always a featherweight or is he a lightweight? He's a lightweight. I think Ilya took that up. Yeah, left. that's what I yeah. thought, right? So um, he was kind of out of his element a little bit. Yeah. Edson Barboza, former lightweight. Yeah. Don't know how the sizes are going to match up because Edson – for being the guy that we really did not think was going to be able to make featherweight, he doesn't seem to be like super massive compared to a lot of no, these guys. No, he does it well. Yeah. So I'm not sure what kind of size or reach advantage he might have against Tuporia. But even if he doesn't, he's a guy that's fought so many high-level strikers, so many great grapplers, I mean, yeah. everything in between. He is coming up towards the end of the road, so for him, you know, it's it, it feels like an uphill battle on paper, but for Tuporia, this is his biggest test by far. I oh, mean, yeah. He got a ranking spot, and we all thought that was inevitable, but he got it after beating Jai Herbert, who is okay, but is not quite at that level, and that was that lightweight, like you right. said. So um, it's a big fight for him, and I think Barboza is going to really – give him everything he's got left on the feet. That's a very interesting fight. Yes, absolutely. Let's get into the rest of UFC 277. A lot of big performances to talk about. We'll start with the heavy hitters, the big boys, the featured fight of the night. Mm-hmm. Derek Lewis once again falls short in his home state of Texas. Sergey Pavlovich gets the TKO in 54 seconds as it's credited. Uh, but that's not really the story. Uh, I think if you look at the post fight and you just see the booze raining down on Pavlovich, uh, poor yeah. guy, yeah. he didn't do anything wrong. But <laughs> yeah. Those, 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 that fan reaction was deafening. Yeah. Um, so the big controversy here is the stoppage. I'm curious if how you felt about it and um, if it meaningfully changed the fight in your eyes. I mean, they came out and were swanging and banging. Derek Lewis said that's See, what was going to happen. I, I, can I just say, not to interrupt, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I saw you put that on the tweet, and I was like, man, I feel like swinging and banging is a term that we like kind of, we, we crown fights as swinging and banging. Like, then we call like Robbie Lawler, Brian Barberina swinging and banging. Like, this fight. I can't even get. I can't even give it that honor because of this stoppage. I can't even give it the swinging and banging medal of honor. You know. Yeah, I'm actually more curious to hear your thoughts on the stoppage because you kind of even expressed it on Twitter. But um, <laughs> betting bias aside, I was pre- very much prepared for either the guy I bet on, which was Pavlovich, lucky for me, or Derek Lewis to go down very quickly the way that they were going and slinging hammers at each other, and it just so happened to be Derek Lewis. I mean. When you get dropped at heavyweight, 
it says a lot more, I feel like, in a referee's eyes than if you're getting dropped at 135 pounds. Just because every shot that these guys throw is potentially career-altering. So I feel like that's where the stoppage came in. Of course, Derek Lewis gets right back up, protests the stoppage. It always looks really bad when that happens after the fact. But it should, if that would have been rules reversed and Pavlich comes right back up after the stoppage, I would have been fine too. It's just that those boys were eating Thanos's hammer. Not Thanos's hammer. Thor's hammer. <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is, but here's your chance. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell on it too much. All my response to Dominic's Dominic tweeted from our account: if we agreed with the stoppage, and I just put, nope, yeah, <laughs> just because I, I just didn't agree with it. I mean, I, I a lot of people are giving da- Big Dan some some slide here because I guess the way that Lewis went down, he sort of face planted, kind of. But to me, in the moment, like. I I don't understand why you just jump in like that. Like these are two, these, I just, I didn't, I didn't understand it. Like he, as soon as Dan is like jumping in, Derek Lewis is getting back up. Like why, why are you being that overzealous? Like just give it a second. Just like he went down, but like you make sure that he's out before you just jump in. Cause he literally, yeah. as soon as Lewis, kind of went down which again i get it he was they people are saying he like face planted i feel like he was more just going down to like go down and like the fall was just kind of weird like like, i don't feel like he got i mean he got dropped but do you get what i'm saying like it wasn't like the impact of the shot set him down he got hit was like oh shit kind of went down (laughs) yeah yeah. it was a bit of an awkward way he went down but like Dude, come on. Like, this is a big fight, and you're, like, going to jump in that way. Like, it, I would have said the same thing if it was Pavlovich, by the way. Like, I didn't have yeah. any bets on this fight. Right. I just – and I know this benefited our bet slip because Dominic mm. had both the under one and a half, and, which, I mean, I, that seemed like an inevitability. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the Pavlovich money line. But it's just, like – it's just frustrating. I – and maybe if I was in Big Dan's shoes, maybe I would have jumped in too. But it's like, dude, you've been doing this for so long. Like, you've seen – I'm not – I know he probably wasn't in the ref for some of these. But, like, look at, like, Frankie Edgar Gray Maynard and, like, the yeah, Chet yeah. Congo Pat Berries and the Matt Schnell Sue Madaraji. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, these things happen. Like, you have right. to give a guy a chance there. It's a fight. I understand. We all want to. We all want to look at fighter safety and say like, let's err on the side of caution. But it's a fucking fight. Yeah. They're going in there fucking sweating him, as Dom said. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, someone's gonna get hurt. So just like, make sure, you don't want to. I mean, that's that really was a big loss for Derek Lewis. That it was may not have been. It may not have been a loss if you let that keep going. Now. Maybe if you let it keep going, Sergey lands a couple more, and that's it. Because that's kind of how it looked. And I love that there's some car or Harley, somebody outside just <laughs> yeah. revving that shit again. Yeah, uh, just can't get away from it. But uh, you know, and it's there all. it goes. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. I I kind of. I feel like the ref should be impartial to like the division it's in too, like how you were talking about heavyweights and 
you know, one shot can really change the, the course of the fight. Like, I feel like a referee shouldn't be focused on who's fighting, the heavyweights, like the division it's in. You should be completely impartial. Just if the fighter's out, you stop it. Like, this, yeah. <laughs> there's if they're not defending themselves, you stop it. Like, he didn't even give them a chance here. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. And it's just frustrating because I, this was a big fight for both guys. Like, Pavlovich... Now there's sort of a question mark added. It, it's it's a it's a win, but it's like, okay, some people are going to put an asterisk on it. Mm-hmm. And then Derek Lewis has a loss there. That's another stoppage loss for him in his home state. He's 37 years old. He's yeah. a very popular fighter, but I mean, this is like a big. I mean, that's a big loss for him. It I don't was. know what you do next. I wow. saw Sergey's manager said that he didn't think the fight was a quick stoppage, which uh, no of doubt course. that he would say that. Right. But uh, he said if Derek Lewis wants to run it back, that they'll do it. So do you feel like that's a possibility? <laughs> I, I don't think so. But, I mean, if they do, they do. I'll bet the under one and a half again, even though it probably won't be as good of odds that time. Um, I doubt that's what happens. But you really are right. Like this is a bit not. I'm not. It's not a bad loss. It's just a big loss for the course of the remaining fights on Derek Lewis's kind of run and career inside of the UFC. That is where kind of when Noah brings up the stoppage, when you see it potentially impact the futures of their career. So it, it is interesting to see what will happen next for Derek Lewis because he clearly doesn't care who he fights. I mean, he'll fight anybody. This is a fight that he did not have to take, fighting a number 11 guy who's only got, at the time, four fights in the UFC, but he took it anyway. So I'm he'll fight anybody. Sergey's now borderline top five. They probably won't put him right at number five with the way the rankings work these days, but seems, he's going to be in there. It just seems so wrong. Like, I, yeah. again, Sergey might be a top five guy, but like it just feels so wrong to give him that with the win like that like it just right leaves a bad taste in your mouth i don't know what you do with him next i wouldn't mind seeing it run back but also like i don't need to see it run back even yeah. after everything i just said but i also don't know what you do with pavlovich next like i don't know i i don't really have an inkling one way or another i don't really have a strong feeling on that one right right i guess you don't either so alexandre pantosia gets a very quick submission over Alex Perez. This came a minute, 31 seconds into round one. Pantoja said he needed to make a statement here. Dominic, huh. did he make a statement? No, that's an understatement. He's never came in and been in a firefight like this. Right, I, right off the rip, I was like, holy shit. I don't know what's going on here. They were swinging <laughs> and throwing crazy combos at each other. They were swinging and banging. They were swinging and banging. <laughs> the little guys, um, but then to, to he really took – he took control really quickly because, again, the fight only went a minute and 31 seconds. But he, you just felt it switch, and it was just all Pantoja. Got onto the back, locked in the submission, uh, and it was really easy for him. That's three straight wins. Two of them are by finish. But the poor guy still is going to have to wait again for the title shot because of the fourth fight. If there's anyone that deserves to wait, it is Alexandre Pantoja right now, but... We'll see what happens for the guy. He's dead set on fighting for the belt. Uh, the timelines are obviously not ideal because he fought on the same card that Brandon Moreno uh, had a relatively good war 
and the champion and Figgy is injured. So he's going to be out again for a little while. I'd imagine waiting. But yeah, I mean, what a performance. And he made more than a statement. He really did. Change, he's never been known to be this guy that goes in and like starches people, but he's put on fantastic performances in all three of these fights that he's on right now with mm-hmm. the streak. Yeah, he's really going for it. And yeah, that's what the UFC, the UFC should reward that sort of effort. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, here he put it on the line. Like he, he's like, I'm tired of being passed over, being overlooked. Yep. For this title fight, he said, I got to make a statement. And Alex Perez was like, holy shit. Yeah. What did I sign up for? Uh, a guy who hadn't fought in almost two years. You could <laughs> oh, tell he man. was probably like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's hard to say right now if Pantoja can wait it out or if he has to take another fight. But, man, it just feels so wrong to even say, yeah, one more, and then you're in there. It, it, it almost lines up perfectly, Dom. If Davison were removed from the equation, if he were moving to Bantamweight. Oh, then it is like, It would be perfect. Yeah, it Marino, is. Yeah. Marino Pantoja next. Yeah. But Davison being obviously still the champion, yeah. at the end of this year, that gets resolved. And then those two can go their separate ways. And then that opens the door for like Pantoja title fight. I don't know if the UFC will kind of allow him to, you know, kind of wait it out. I mean, there's other guys that are sort of... Kaikar France is still going to be a name that is going to be, you know, um, ideal to put Around. in like a big title yeah. fight. And then you got Roy Val, who is always an exciting fight. Now, Pantoja has a win over both guys I just mentioned. He has a win over Moreno. And I'm about to mention Matt Schnell just had that really exciting comeback. So now yeah. he even got put on the camera uh, at the fight. So you can yeah. tell the UFC like him. Well, guess who knocked him out? Uh, Pantoja. So, yeah. you know, Pantoja's just, he is, he had a great line at the press conference where that's uh, yeah. how he felt yeah. about Moreno and Kaikar France fight for the interim belt. And he said, uh, I, as a dad, I'm, proud of my two sons or something like that so yeah yeah uh, he's just bothering all these guys in the top of the flyweight division you know what love... i'm gonna say it let my man wait it out yeah if there's anyone to much. do it it should be yeah we just got done talking about how much it pisses <laughs> dana white off yeah damn it dana come on give my man a pass P- pantoja just don't say the word wait in any of your interviews maybe you'll be okay <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. We opened our our pay-per-view card with a pretty anticipated fight at light heavyweight. Magomed Ankalaev taking on Anthony Smith. Ankalaev gets the second-round TKO, three minutes and nine seconds. But, Dominic, there's a a catch to this one as well. It appears at the end of the first round, Anthony Smith did some pretty considerable damage to his leg. Now, weirdly enough, I thought it looked like a broken ankle. Yeah. When the fight was over, Anthony Smith said it was a broken leg. Right. And then they asked Dana at the press conference, and he said there was no fracture in the leg. So, wow. So, obviously there was some sort of damage done here. Yeah. But I guess, to you, what do you take away from this fight where you have a guy, um, the guy who lost here was 
considerably uh, compromised by a checked leg kick, I'm assuming, and, you know, a winner who had a lot to prove here. Like, what do you really take away from this fight? Is this what Magomed Ankalaev needed? It's his ninth straight win, but of course there's just something, right? If it's not a doll fight that no one really cares for, it's this. Where his opponent has a compromised leg, he thinks it's broken, he can't stand up and trade with him on the feet. I don't know. And it wasn't really necessarily the most exciting fight either going into when the finish happened three minutes into round two. So it's unfortunate. Obviously, I hope Anthony Smith is okay. I did not know that about how no fractures were found. So I don't know. It's clearly he was injured. So hopefully he's all right. Magomed even said post-fight, what more do I have to do? How many wins do I have to get to get a title fight? And I get it. This is nine in a row. You've not lost a fight since your debut. And you are winning that fight until you got submitted with one second left in the fight. So I guess I don't even know. Cause well, let me, cause... let me, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about okay. it. I don't, okay. I, I, I don't want you to have to put all that weight on your shoulders yet. Yeah. Cause we have a few scenarios we have to break down here. Yeah. So let me just say, it's so hard, like to take away a lot from that fight. Cause like yeah. on one hand, you kind of have to credit on Clive for checking the leg kick, right? Like, I mean, it's, True. it's something he did. Um, so, I mean, he did look good in this fight. I mean, I thought the first round was very competitive, Dominic. I don't know about yeah. you. I mean, I felt like Ankalaev was winning the fight, but yeah. I don't know what would have happened in rounds two. So, for Anthony Smith to be fighting on a, I guess it wasn't broken, but on a pretty, pretty damaged leg there, it's disappointing. But again, it's caused by something that Ankalaev did. So, Full credit to him for the victory here. Um, I guess now what we have to really talk about is this light heavyweight title picture because yeah. it's a mess, yeah. but it's also a beautiful mess. Like it's it's the right kind of mess where there's a lot of good options. Any one of them can probably be made and it'd be okay. But you know, I think each guy has a claim here. So yeah. Yuri Prohaska is your now light heavyweight champion. He got the win over Glover Teixeira. Fight of the year right now. Five rounds back and forth. Glover looked like he was a half a half a minute away from retaining his title. Here he gets the Hail Mary submission out of nowhere. Yeah. Pure exhaustion, pure heart. Just pure. Just a Beautiful. pure fight. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have Yablohovich, the former light heavyweight champion, takes a big fight with Alexander Rekich looking to get himself right back into the title discussion. Very competitive first round of that fight, and then Rekich yeah. throws a kick to, I don't know if it was to the thigh or um, to the, I, he throws a leg kick of some sorts and immediately uh, goes down uh, knee, yeah. I think it was an ACL tear. Yeah, right? completely, yeah. yeah, blown up. Yeah, so kind of a, Asterisk win in some ways there, but a win for Jan Blovich, obviously. And now with Ankalaev, he's the one with the win streak, but the one that was kind of the furthest out of the yeah. three. Like he was, he needed a big win to sort of insert himself. He gets Anthony Smith, former title challenger, proven, tested, top guy at light heavyweight, tough guy for sure, a high finishing rate, all this. 
And Alkalaev got the finish, and he did look very good when the fight was mano y mano. Now, obviously, round two, I mean, I guess credit to Ankalaev for staying composed and, you know, not rushing to get a finish and sort of just letting the fight kind of, letting the openings come to him, you know, yeah. in some ways. But those are your three scenarios. So, Yuri, interesting enough, threw a wrench into this. We were wanting to wait until this fight took place before we really yep. sort of said who we thought should be next just because, you know, we just don't know. But Yuri goes on Twitter after saying Jan would be next. He goes on Twitter and says, I've thought about it. And Glover, it is you who's next. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he can really make that decision. But right. I, I, I guess I'm curious. What What do you think the UFC should do? After the two wins from Jan and Magomed and the way in which they happened, I think they will run it back with Glover and Yuri. Firstly, because the fight was insanely sick. I mean, that was as close as a fight as you're going to see, and it was amazing. <laughs> But and then they do Blahovich and Ankalaev as the number one contender main event. So yes, Magomed, you asked the question: How many more fights are you going to need? You're probably going to need to make it one more and make it a double digit win streak. It's unfortunate, but it kind of does feel right just because of the way Jan and Magomed's wins were. It, I'm not opposed to that mm. necessarily happening. So. At a time after UFC 275, I wasn't all that for the rematch between Yuri and Glover. But now, that's, I think, the two fights that should and will happen, dare I say. Yeah, it's hard for me to, to differentiate here what should and what will. Because I, I think they will do the rematch. Like, I don't think Yuri would have went out and posted that unless he had a good feeling from the UFC yeah. that that was going to be next. Like, I really don't think... He's the kind of guy that I don't think he's going to inflate his importance in this whole yeah. thing because the UFC ain't going to play that game of like letting the champion just pick and choose who they want yeah. to fight all the time, unless you're like Kamaru Usman or right. Amanda Nunez or whoever. Um, it's hard for me to differentiate now because to me it just feels like we're going to get the Glover rematch, and as good as that first fight was, it's hard to like say otherwise i mean that fight yeah. was awesome it's yeah. a fight of the year glover yes. was winning that fight it appeared and i according to the judges scorecards he was until that literally yep. 30 seconds left in the fight submission yeah so i think there's reason to run that back and then you're right the two guys who don't get it should fight one another for the number one contender fight yep there and it it's is. it sucks because you know Jan less so. I feel like Jan kind of unfortunately sort of needs another win. Yeah, Ankalaev I think has the second best claim to a title fight, but yeah. I also feel like he's the one that's being kind of overlooked for a title fight. Um, Dana didn't seem to like his uh, post fight speech about what else do I have to do. Mm-hmm. He mentioned it at the. the presser he just kind of said like what else do you have to do you were ranked fourth you were fighting number five like you're close buddy but like chill out kind of yeah is what he was saying so um 
Yeah, it's unfortunate, I guess, that Ankalaev maybe if if Anthony Smith maybe is able to. Um, I mean, I really think Ankalaev earned this win. I mean, it's the checked leg kick that caused the injury. Yeah. So, yeah. But I guess if if Anthony Smith stays healthy for if that doesn't happen, and Ankalaev is able to finish him without that, does it make it more impressive? I guess does it make it right? Does it make a difference? I don't know if it really does make a difference. Like, I really feel like Glover is the fight they're going to make. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what will happen. Next up, Drew Dober and Rafael Alves had an absolute scrap. And you know what? I Guys, I've been a day one yep. ride-or-die Drew Dober guy. And he's just – I mean, he just makes me look so good for picking him back at <laughs> yeah. the 203 as my guy. Uh, this fight was awesome. He yep. hits the KO in round three, a minute 30 in, a body shot. Stopped Rafael Alves in his tracks. Alves was game, though. This was a really fun oh, yeah. fight. I mean, Rafael Alves, this was only his third UFC fight. And his three UFC fights uh, was here with Dover. He has the win over Jacasey. And then his debut yep. was against um, um, Top 15. Just had a fight with... Um, um, here we go. Why don't you give your thoughts on the fight while I look it up because uh, I can't remember his name right I'll now. I'll do that. We're going to feel dumb when you say the name. But, yeah, this was a good fight. Everybody knew this was going to be a good fight. Drew Dober, hard. I don't even know if he's ever been in a boring fight. Rafael Alves is a kill or be killed type guy as well. It was just awesome. The body shot, it came so quickly that I was almost like, huh? what the hell happened? It, the, the way the camera angle was, and it just happened really quick. I'm like, what just happened? You blink and you miss it. It was one shot, and Alves just went down. It was kind of even like a one or two second delayed reaction. Uh, but Drew Dober, the iron chin, the jawline, like no other, by the way, looks like it's been carved out of stone. Um, just shows his durability. Alves, tough as all be, awesome fight. Demiris Megulov was his debut, by the way. There we go. Yeah, now number Literally de- debuted against Ismay Gulov. Put up a good fight. I believe he even dropped him in the first round. That was the fight where he had the spin of Rudy, of yes, course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the dude's just an athletic freak when you see him pull off that kind of stuff. Right. And, and then, obviously, he looked fantastic against Jacasey. He got like a first-round submission, I think. And then here with Dober, at his moments, he was showing a little bit of Cody Garbrand in there doing the robot and – yeah yeah it was a good fight man yeah and i drew dober just never disappoints me i mean i just love i love drew dober so much he's like one of my favorite fighters to watch and every time he just makes me feel good knowing that i at ufc 203 i saw something in that guy and maybe he's never hit the heights you know he's never quite hit like the top 10 or anything but uh, he called afterwards for fights with bobby green and jim miller sign me up yes absolutely how about Michael Morales? Probably the biggest prospect on the card. 23 years old. Taking on Adam Fugit. A short notice, last second replacement. But a, a tough guy, for sure. Fought for LFA and whatnot. Uh, what did, how would you grade Michael Morales' performance here? This was his second fight in the UFC, technically, if you don't count the Contender Series. So how would you grade this uh, sophomore outing for Morales? How about a B minus? And I think I'm only saying that because I felt at times he was a little bit more gun shy than what he needed to be. 
because I really did feel like there was a pretty significant level difference between him and Fugit, mm. and that's not even a slight to Fugit. Fugit was good. He was game. Uh, but Michael Morales is undefeated with 11 knockouts now. He's an absolute stud to only be 23 years old. This dude is a problem for the future of the UFC. And I just really felt like he could have displayed that a little bit more. But I will say I liked his kind of composure to be that young and Mm -hmm. not be willing to get into firefights. You kind of have to respect that at the same time. So I almost feel a little bit rude for giving a B-. minus. But I think it's just because my expectations are so high for him. I thought he was just going to go in there and starch Fugit. So maybe that just says more to the toughness of Adam. But it was a great performance nonetheless. Really came out relatively unscathed. 14-0, man. Guy's a problem. Yeah, I thought Fugit. I I expected Fugit to be a pretty game opponent. I still obviously thought Morales had the clear skill, athleticism advantage here. And um, I think she threw... I would score it. I'm probably gonna score it a B, but I'm actually yeah. the, my my reason for docking off points is because my man Michael Morales, as talented as raw, just athleticism as he possesses, he has one thing that could be just a fatal flaw for him. That chin is just out there. Yeah, and I was I was terrified watching this yeah. fight. Because if you had a guy that's just a much more prepared opponent, maybe he has a little bit more power, a little bit better timing on his strikes, Michael Morales is going to easy street. I mean, yeah. he's, he is – there is going to come a time where Michael Morales is really going to have to either improve that or we're going to see him flatlined in the UFC. Like it's yeah. – as good as he is, that is a huge flaw to, to have. Yeah. When you're a guy is, that depends on the KO artist, explosive fight finisher, if you get a guy who can match you in terms of your technique on the feet, yeah, that's going to be a rough day if he doesn't improve that. Now, he is only 23, yeah. and you know, I don't think he's anywhere. We're not even talking. I'm not even sni- sniffing top 15 yet. Right? No. Like, no. He's 23. Only two fights in the UFC. He's still very raw. Let him do the Patty Pimblet route, the, the Sean O'Malley route. Well, up until Sean skipped all the top 10. <laughs> skipped 12 people. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, let him take this like slow build route because I think you could really have something special with him. Yes, 100%. Also, he has a, at the post, at his post fight presser, um, he had a, Lucky Tony the Tiger toy that he had gotten from a cereal box one time that he says is like his lucky toy. Just a Tony the Tiger toy. And now I like Morales even more than I already did. So, right. uh, Last one here. I didn't expect to talk about this one, but I had to for the finish here. Nikolai Negumerun. <laughs> it is a tongue twister. I, 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 I had it when I was watching the fights, and now I can't. Nikolai Negumerunu. I there you go. Messed that up. He got the TKO over Eor Potiera. Round two, three minutes, 33 seconds in. This is the battle of the tongue twisters for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, Eor making his debut. He was a guy that a lot of people were kind of talking about for, he has this really good record, had a really good showing on the contender series. But if you look at his previous opponent's records, not pretty, not yeah. pretty at all. So the level of competition was very questioned. Um, 
Nikolai looked terrific here. And Nikolai is a guy that's kind of proven in the UFC at this point. Like he's, whether or not he's, you know, he, did he deserve the win against Kennedy in Chekwu? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure Dominic was ready to give that to me if I didn't have it. Of course. Um, did he earn that victory? Like, I don't know. We've benefited from it. That <laughs> yeah. Wise, but yeah. Um, but he's a tough guy. Like he's just a, he's he doesn't always have the best technique, but he just is very hard headed. You got a great chin, and um, puts a great pace on people. And here you saw a lot of that. But that finishing sequence, the Ooh. elbows, the knees, everything in between, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, couldn't say it any better. Well, that's it for the rest. Let's move on to the below average bet. <sighs> the nice big a nice big sigh there there you go yeah, yeah. well this is a tale of two cities for this week because uh <laughs> one of us did exceptionally well and one of us had the worst betting night of their career <laughs> can you guess who had which um yeah this was yeah. tough i mean this was really this was really tough dom i'm I think I'm finally kind of getting past. I think I've gotten so used to just the utter disappointment that comes <laughs> with betting on this sport that I, I I didn't even get that angry anymore. But you know, it was there was some real heartbreakers. Oh yeah, on this bet slip for me. Oh yeah. Um, how were you feeling? Because you had to be feeling good. I mean, up until that main event, you were undefeated on on the night. I know part of me, the greedy side, was like, man, I I want that shiny 6-0 and record uh, to be on. But then, I'm going to be honest, Noah had main event not to start round four. Obviously, it started round four, but I had two minutes and 30 seconds to work with. I would have genuinely felt bad had that hit. <laughs> truthfully so it, it, um, it looked like it was possible too well yeah julie had the nice arm bar locked in pretty early in that round and whatnot but at the end of the day um i felt good it was a good night for me i don't usually even have like multiple bets on one fight but like i said i had the pavlovich money line plus under one and a half um i don't dabble too much into that but i liked it i felt confident there um it was a really just good week that I felt like I needed personally. But again, none of that matters because we are a unit. No pun intended with betting units. We are a team and we have to come out of this together. I know. And I, I really let us down this week. Uh, three money line plays that were plus money. Well, one's a parlay. When I put those three together, you know, Kai Car France, G on Kim, and then the Jakar close Dante Mays money line. I said, I'm going to be thrilled if two of these three hit. <laughs> you knew the danger. you know, <laughs> And it just, none of them hit, which I really, I really thought that parlay was a gimme. Um, Jakar Close did his job. Uh, Hamdi the Hammer came in and I literally texted Dom before the start of the fight. And I said, Hamdi the Hammer is really going to tear this parlay apart, isn't he? Yeah. And he did. I don't know what the hell Dante Mays was doing in their fight. That man looked terrified of the power of Hamdi. Like, every time Hamdi threw a shot, he was off balance. He was, like, diving out of range. I mean, I don't know what was going on. And then there was a glimmer of hope with the eye. Uh, He just – I thought Dante fucked him up with a straight right. Yeah. That that fucked up Hamdi's eye. Excuse me. I thought this is it. 
And then round three, complete wrestle fuck for five minutes. I mean, it was just broke my heart. And then I and I and I had already accepted defeat. Um, like you know, the Gian Kim split decision hurt me. Like yeah. I thought maybe she had done enough. She hadn't. Then one judge scores it for Dante Mays. Yeah, and it just it gave me a little. <laughs> is there a chance? Yeah, and just yeah. for the last one to be like no, another split decision loss. Yeah. So yeah, it's tough, guys. I mean, what am, what am, what am I going to say here? I feel like the Ankalaya by decision one was solid, but Anthony Smith fucks up his leg. Um, Pena Nunez didn't see that one go in the distance. Yeah. Uh, Pantoja Perez, like, I mean, Pantoja really just shot out like a cannon. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Car France looked like he was ready to take that fight over before the liver kick. I mean, I don't know. Just, they just didn't fall in my favor this week, I guess, which is what I say every week. So maybe they just never fall in my favor. But (laughs) any final thoughts, Dom? Nah, man. I mean, I was actually just talking about it with my dad the other day with all this points bet stuff going on. But, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, we obviously podcast about MMA and whatnot. We love this sport, but it is the hardest sport. And I don't even know if it's even necessarily close to bet on. Yeah. Because in MMA, at the end of the day, there's always one shot on both sides of the cage. And you just never know. It's a hard game. It's tough out here, Noah. But all we can do is live to fight another day. Completely agree. Now we get that off the screen. Let's get in the- <laughs> Let's get into closing statements. Oops, Steve. Wrong thing. What the hell was that? Sorry, quick flash. <laughs> uh, the only way we end the show around here is with closing statements. The, the point of the show where me and Dom can talk about anything and everything MMA related or not. So, Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this Monday episode? I kind of have two parts, but they won't be long-winded. First, special thank you to PointsBet for reaching out with us or to us and creating this partnership. We're super excited and stoked to have this opportunity. So hopefully big things to come in the future with them. Thank you, obviously to everybody who supports us and whatnot, as we continue to grow second part and be, and I'm only bringing this up because it was posted publicly about my golf experience Saturday morning. (laughs) Um, I just want to paint this picture as, as good as I can for everybody. People are probably like, man, he talks about golf a lot. But that's like my other passion. That's what I do when I'm not golfing or whatever else in the or working and whatever. So Friday night, I, just so everyone knows, I'm not a big fan of like the driving range because I don't feel like it's a good replication of an actual golf outing when you go to a course. Mm. But I went to the driving range Friday night with our buddy just because I was wanting to tweak some things with my swing because I had been watching and kind of studying things, thinking, all right, I think I actually have pinpointed where I'm kind of screwing up. So Friday night, I go out there for like an hour and a half. I am My back is shot right now. I am so sore from the last two days. And I hit, and I hit, and I hit probably 100 balls. My drive, I start correcting it, because I have a real bad slice to the right. And I was bringing it back left. And I was like, all right, I'm pinpointing what it is. Like consecutively, 10, 12, 15 shots in a row, we're doing what I wanted. All of my iron shots were really flush, really pure, perfect yardage and everything right at the target. Friday night, I'm thinking, I found it. I've switched it up, the grips, the swing. I feel good. I'm ready for Saturday morning's 18-hole outing. 
we get there to, yesterday morning, and boy, oh boy, if I wasn't ready to just get ran over by a golf cart yesterday, it was the if I had one word to describe yesterday's golf outing, it is disheartening. Because to have all of that good practice, all of those corrections that I thought I had made, vanish. Gone. Didn't happen at all yesterday on the golf course for 18 holes. Really, genuinely deep in my core hurts. But you know what? I have this sign that I bought when we were in Metamora last week. And it says, golf is a game filled with continuous disappointment. I'm kind of paraphrasing because I forget it exactly. But the ever... the, The one bright shot, the one miracle, keeps bringing me back. So I will continue to waste my money and throw it all down the drain for good times with the bros. That is all. I did see the social media post. Um, you know, we have great friends, you know, it just, uh, yes. we love our friends. Uh, yes. But, and Branson's great friend. Yeah. Absolute. I mean, a minch, right? Right. You know, just a great guy. But boy, is he not the guy. He is that guy that he, he, he will post yep. about your shortcomings. Yes. And then when you're doing great, Where's Branson? I ain't heard from him in weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He goes radio silent. Yeah. Um, man, he, he is. When I saw that post, I was like, oof. But, you know, honestly, I didn't even notice that he was posting, like, how bad your shots were. <laughs> Those were two pretty bad shots, yeah. Because um, all I, I couldn't look away Here from we go. your left hand, yeah. which had a glove on it. And right. I thought we discussed that on the show. Mm-hmm. And what a train wreck move that is for you to wear that glove. I think that's what's holding back your swing. You think so? The glove. I think I think the glove is cutting off the circulation yeah. in your left arm. You don't even have feeling in that left hand. I right, mean, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got big old you got big old fingers, dude. You got big old hands. Like, yeah, got, true. I mean, I bet that ain't an extra large glove. And you know it's it's affecting you. So I think you should stop wearing the glove. Okay. And then not only will the golf gods reward you for not looking like a complete tool, but they'll also <laughs> reward you because you'll just you, you will personally be just better quit better equipped to to get past the hump. Just saying. I respect that. I'm no golf expert, but. Me neither. Trust me. When I see a man wearing a glove on the golf course, I know to spit on him. I know that. And I accept that spit. <laughs> I don't know what's. I don't know where I get my distaste for the glove, but it. Boy, the first time I saw you wearing it, I was like, "Hold on a second. I said, "What?" Your the whole fuck? viewpoint I mean, of me changed. It did because, like, I'm like, this man thinks he's on the PGA Tour all of a sudden. He's <laughs> He's he's at fucking Top Golf and he's wearing a glove. Like, what the hell's going no, on here? No, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm not quite that guy. That, yeah. I, but you look at that guy. If you saw a guy wearing a glove at Top Golf, what would you think? 
Well, like the equivalent, I feel like if you bring your own like clubs to Top Golf or like wear the glove Ooh. at Top Golf, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about like like when you went to the Reds game recently? How do you feel about like grown up a grown man bringing a baseball glove to the? Yeah, I'm. I saw a lot of it, and I and part of me's like, eh, you know, I am I left out? Should I have brought a glove? I don't even know if I have a baseball glove anymore. But then the other part of me's like, I don't know. It feels it's a little childish, right? Yeah. I don't know, but then, like, well, are they trying to get it for their kid, and then I bring it back again? So, to me, it's, here's how – and this is on-the-fly kind of breakdown here. So <laughs> okay. If anybody does this, try not to get too salty about it. But right. No slights. If you, if you are a dad or, or mom and you're bringing yep. your kids to the game, acceptable to wear the glove. Something just – That's the ghost. That? Right. Did I you heard hear that? that. I did. That was, out, that was outside of the apartment. <laughs> Oh boy! Someone just drop a couch <laughs> off the steps. Well, I don't know what just happened there. Um, if you're a parent who has kids and they have a glove on, perfectly acceptable. Pretty sure when my dad would take me to games and I'd have my glove, he would bring his. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a bit of bonding, right? And right. It's like, hey, I'm gonna try to catch one too. Like, yeah. it's it is what it is. What the hell is going on in this place? <laughs> What's funny is I don't think anybody can hear this. Besides Probably me, not. So there's like, what when I listen doing? back to the episodes, I don't ever hear it. Yeah. But yeah. There's a BMX bike just driving on by. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm trying to just finish this fucking yeah, point. <laughs> but uh, if you're an adult and you're just going on your own to a game, which is fine. Like, hey, I love baseball. Probably should leave the glove at home. You know, it's just... And a lot of times these days, you see on social media people are bare hands. They're bare hand and shit, catching it with their beers. Like they're, they'll, they'll be holding the baby. Yeah, they, the... the game has evolved of catching foul balls and home runs quite substantially. So, I don't know. Yeah, and then like, because to me, it's like one step away. Like an adult with no kids with the baseball glove. It's one step away from being those adults that go for autographs. Oof. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I know when we went to the UFC fights, like, we, we had some stuff signed. But do you ever – do you see those videos that go viral sometimes where, like, these training camps are going on? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I was watching some stuff from the Bengals training camp. You got, like, Jamar Chase and all these kids are, like, holding out stuff. Like, come on, Jamar, it's Jamar. And then you just see this, like, 40-year-old man who's, like, holding out a picture. Like, fighting like, off a kid to get Yeah, he's, on. like, pushing kids out of the way. I'm like, ugh. There's an impractical Joker skit about that. That was like a punishment, and it is absolutely hilarious. I want to. I kind of makes me want to look that that. up. It is that because I find it every time I see one of those videos, I get physically ill. Dude, you have to watch it when we get off here, please. Okay, I I will. But um, that's it, everybody. I'm no. That was that's that's everywhere. Uh, We're the below average Joes, no gloves included, and we'll see you guys on Thursday.